2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Justin, you said last week you
0: kind of threw out this excuse of it's early. Now you guys are four games in. You know, as you've had a lot of time with this offense, the running game is working. Why isn't the passing game working? Who said the passing game was working? Numbers
1: don't matter. I don't think, in my opinion. Um, but you know, as long as we win, like I said, that's, that's all I care about. Yeah. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on six seventy. The Score in Odyssey Station. Nothing sucks more
3: than a Bears quarterback being ranked last among starters and wondering why people think the passing game wasn't working. That's Saturday suckage upon, that's meta suckage. Welcome in, welcome back. That was Justin Fields, the interim quarterback for the Bears. We're going to go back to the scores hotline. Guests there are presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. We welcome back to the program from the Chicago Sun-Times, Mark Potash. Potsey, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Steve. Good to talk to you again.
3: You too. Thank you for for giving us some of your time before Bears Vikings, and you take off. The most we'll get to the quarterback in just a moment. I have it's, it's from a texter. The lawn,
2: Steve.
3: Yeah, I I you're right. I can see. I'm I'm glad I'm saving you. Right. Well, I, I <laughs> suck so you, I suck so you don't have to until later, and then it's gonna suck. <laughs> so a texter from the 708 brings up a salient point that might be even more important than the regular Bears quarterback questions. Can you ask Potsy why he got rid of Huckleberry Hound as his Twitter avatar? It made hearing how bad the Bears will be and are easier coming from Huckleberry Hound. Thanks, Wilson.
2: Well, that's actually te- that's that's a temporary thing. Uh- uh, it's it's just a, it's a show of support for the uh, newspaper guild uh, which we're a part of and you remember well with the Sun Times, yeah. So, uh it's a union thing as always. It's a union thing. So uh, it's uh, but it's temporary. I'll be back to my uh, to uh, going back into my childhood uh, with uh, McGillagorilla Gorilla and Huckleberry Hound and Snidely Whiplash uh, in-, in time.
3: How about Dick Dastardly? Are we going to get a Dick Dastardly in there?
2: Oh yeah, it's, it's, believe me, it's it's in the rotation. You know, okay. who didn't? Uh, who my right. did age, of sixty three, didn't grow up on Saturday morning cartoons.
3: I'm I'm right with you. I'm right with you. And having Snidey Whiplash brought to the airwaves is is a terrific. That's that was not on my Saturday Suckage Bingo card today. So thanks for that. <laughs> All right, Mark, the you wrote this week. Share with the class. I thought you did a great job of of disbelief, of hearing the offensive coordinator and the quarterback um, sort of the, putting their own spin. As a texter said here, the Bears' stupid guess goes to 11. Whatever they see, you didn't see. So share with the class what you wrote in your, your column of disbelief.
2: Well, just uh, just a, I think it was just a, more or less a, at this point in time, we're not at the point where we can make any de- defining uh uh, decisions about what's happening, but it's uh, at this point in time, it's, it was just really an examination of how differently we are different perspectives. Like I said, we're looking at the same quarterback through the same binoculars, but we're looking at it through one end, and they're looking at it through the other. And if you've ever seen a pair of binoculars, those are two completely different views. Ours is a very micro nice <laughs> view, of up close, and theirs is a, on the other end is a very far away view, long term, long, you know. Uh, and that's just kind of the way the way we. I mean, I can't say I was disappointed. That wasn't. I mean, that wasn't a naggy response. It wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I, I wasn't uh dismayed by it. It was just more that you know, this is how they see it. This you know, we're this I, I go through this all the time with talking bears is that we're at that stage where everything is defining. And we look at everything we see if he if the you know if 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 Justin Fields is bad, he's bad. And if he's good, he's good. And uh they don't see it that way. This could be this literally could be a two year thing for them. I mean they could be I don't know if you know maybe if Fields is bad enough they'll move on, but this could be this could be like a setup year for 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 Fields, and then next year with all the cap space and uh, and the draft capital they have, they they'll they'll give them the support that everybody wants them to see. So my point is they're looking at it from a different perspective. Um, I will say I I wasn't uh, I, I I can't say it was. Uh, uh, to, meant to be quite as critical for one thing. I, I like Getzy, and, I, and, I, and, I, and he's an interesting guy. I noted real early that he's a guy who often says "When we, in these press conferences, we don't see it that way. Even, even when those smart football people ask questions of him, you know the, and offer a premise. We'll say, "No, we don't see it that way." He's just seeing he's just seeing it from a different through a different lens than we are and it's exaggerated at this point cuz we're only 5 games in and he's looking at it long term. So he literally doesn't see it the same way we do. The only difference is not to give you not to go to be too long-winded here. The only difference is, is that he's that, that is that Fields is so bad, his numbers are so bad, it's disp- it's hard to it's hard to believe that he's making progress, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's you know that that's a little bit of a str- at, at this point, but I can't blame them for thinking the way they are, but I can't blame us for thinking the way we are either.
3: Mark Potash is my guest. He covers, covers the Bears and writes about football in the Sun-Times. That's what we're talking about here on The Score. And you write about not passing the eye test. What do you see on the field as well as his statistics? So I guess you could point to progress, point to 174 yards and say, well, that's progress. That was his most productive game this year which is an embarrassment in itself. And that shows you how far below any kind of that. That's you're coming from a Nathan Peterman level to get up to where this is an improvement, but you make in, in discussions this year, we, we've heard about, he can't pull the trigger. He does not seem to know what an open receiver looks like in the NFL. He, he, whether he holds the ball too long or he's waiting for someone to come open he doesn't see them downfield when he's got the chance. These are, if you hold the ball too long, but you find a guy downfield, I'm considering that progress. And I don't see those two weaknesses adding up to progress. So the, so Getzi talks about the footwork on an interception. I thought his footwork was great, which meant everything else went haywire. If you were looking for improvement, Mark, even though we don't see it, what would you point to?
2: Um, that's a great question, and to, to, not to uh, ignore that question. But I will say, based on what you're asking, is that is the red flag? What you just said—that is the red, well, the one red flag that I look to in week five and say, "Wow, that really might that, res- that might that might end up." Being something to worry about, and that is that he's, he doesn't show the instinct for the position that I thought he had when I saw him on the practice field when he first came to rookie minicamp a year and a half, a year and a few months ago, and um, all those little things, just even, even uh, little things like the inaccuracy, we're seeing so many things that we saw in Trubisky, that uh... he's lost a little bit of that. So to answer your question, I don't know what you would consider progress. It's 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 all going to be offensive progress. You run a play that gets that gets Darnell Mooney open for a 56 yard or even for, or even just an 18 yard pass. You know that's not great quarterbacking. That's better, good offense. I mean, so all the progress is on the part of the offense, and I think that's kind of gets his point. Is that it's not just one guy. But my original point, frankly, is that the one thing that bothers me if I had to say well, there was one thing that I would, you know, that, that would bother me this early is that he does not seem to show the instinct. There was a lot made of a play in which Darnell Mooney ran the wrong route but was open, and, uh, and, and Fields didn't hit him because that wasn't what he was instructed to do. And I just think a quarterback with instinct says, "I don't care what the rules are, I'm going to make the play." I think that I think somebody who does that, you're not going to be, you're not going to get a demerit for, for not running the play the correct way. You're you're going to get a gold star for making a play that guys that the it factor quarterbacks make. He didn't do it, and he's just and when he responded to the questions about that, it just made him sound so much so much so robotic, so mechanical, which was which was Mitch Trubisky's downfall, without question, the single biggest downfall that he was just was too programmed. He, it was like he had too many voices in his head, and eventually he failed. And so that's the one red flag I see with, uh, with Justin Fields is that he's not showing the instinct that I thought he had, and I think he's going to have to have uh, to be successful uh, without, without having like, an unbelievable supporting cast and a great, uh, a well-designed offense, which he doesn't have either of. i
3: I made the, I, the steps that I see this season taking – where you actually could come out of it with hope in January. Right now, they're they're winning despite him when they win. They get need to improve to winning with him and then winning because of him. So we still have the season to see that. You make a really good point about, well, if he's good, then he must be a really good quarterback. Here we are, we're ready to go win the Super Bowl. Or if he's bad, it's all over, let's hold the NFL draft now, that immediacy. And that labeling. So I, I'm looking for when I ask questions about that progress, that's what I was, that's what I'm looking at. Is that a fair way to base it? Do you think they're, they're losing games because of him or winning games despite him? Do you think that's a fair assessment as to where we are now with him?
2: Well, he he threw two touchdown passes in the first game against the 49ers uh, in the rain, and I, I think I think he won. I think that that, that wasn't that wasn't your typical uh, Bears quarterback win, uh, where we've seen guys win with 7.3 passer ratings. You know, I I think he gets credit for that, and um, but I just don't think he's. I I it goes back to the same old thing, Steve. This offense is going to have to lift him on its shoulders for him to be able to a year from now lift the team on its shoulders it's a weird thing that's just the way it is because that's just part of the progress and he's just not there yet i mean i'll be honest i'm just hoping uh, as an observer i'm just hoping he's still standing at the end of the season i think that would be a victory because he's taken a lot of hits uh... he keeps falling into bad habits of exposing himself as far as you know, getting taking hits on runs, you know, he, he the way he turns his body and stuff, he's like he's not very protective, uh, and he's of course he's getting and of course he's he's getting uh, uh, sacked a lot. So I think that's one thing to keep an eye on: is will he be there at the end? Will he be standing? The other thing is you point out, and it's a good point. You know, is he going to make enough? Will he make enough progress? I said all along, this season is all about the Bears. Uh, you know, the only thing that really matters is 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 Justin Fields making progress right now. We don't see it, but I still think there's time what we, what i what is there to base it on right now? nothing frankly you know i'm not going to go by a fifty six yard throw to to darnell mooney that that doesn't it takes more than that so um so i guess i guess I guess the thing is i think like i said we i don't think we can be we can define every week as as what he is, and we have to kind of take a little bit of a step back, but really just hope that he's on the field to make progress at this point. I think that, I think that would be a victor, a small victory in the context of a bears quarterback and offensive development.
3: My guest is Mark Potash of the Sun times. He writes about the bears. That's what we're talking about here on the score. The, the defensive coordinator was making it clear that he expected the Vikings to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball until the bears prove that they can't, that they can stop it. It seems surprising to me, are you shocked by this, that, it, that bears are such a rolling tollway teams? Get up, get out, get just putting up big numbers. Or does this, is this go back to, well, we, we didn't, we never found Larry Ogunjobi. We never found a replacement and it's wide open right there. And we are never going to stop the run. What, why are they such an easy target on the ground?
2: Yeah, I think I I don't know, I think but I think that's a it's a great question and 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 a and, a, and, a, and kind of a big uh uh I don't know red flag because this defense the uh, defense has been they were top 10 in rushing defense every year in Indy. That was like that was like their calling card was their rushing defense with a three technique and and you're right, they didn't get uh Larry Ogunjobi, and 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 Justin Jones has been pretty good but not not as good as him or certainly not as good as Eddie Goldman at, at his best as a run stopper. So so uh, uh it surprised me that absolutely, absolutely surprised me because it's so bad. This is like this is the worst uh a Bears uh, a Bears defense against the run through four games in ten, over 10 years. Goes back to Tresman's first year, I think or nine years I guess. But but uh this is uh as bad as a team has been. Uh, in the NFL, in a while, I think I think it's been a few years since anyone's been this. So again, it's the same thing as like Fields. You know, it'd be one thing if he was in the middle. You know, he's okay. Then you could say okay, but he's so low in in all the rankings, last in in in, in pers- completion percentage and and uh, and passer rating and this and that. And the same thing with the defense; they're so bad. I but I will say this: I have much more faith that the defense will uh, get better against the run than I do that uh, that that Justin Fields will get better and, 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 uh, uh, or become uh, passable. Because I just think in general, um, it's just easier to improve on defense. and um, But I will say this, though, and I think it's a good question, that you bring up a good point because maybe, like you were referring to, Joby maybe these guys aren't getting the hits principle quite like they thought. Or maybe they don't have quite the talent they thought they had that it would work. So that's something to keep an eye on. And this is a good week to do it because, yeah, they they're expecting the Vikings to, to run. I think they want the Vikings to run just because, because I, I think they can be even more dangerous get, uh, uh, in the air uh, with uh, the firepower they have with, with Cousins and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. So um, it'll be interesting interesting it'll be interesting to see just a just what the what the Vikings' tack is and also how prepared the Bears are to be better because I think they will be better. I think they'll be. I will say this. I, I think they're going to be better against the run not only in this game. But I think in general throughout the, throughout the season, they will not be thirty second and and that's a low bar I, i'm saying that I think they will still be uh, middle of the pack uh, eventually because i just I just think it takes a while for these things to get instilled in in players and this is just this is part of the'll buy this is the the, the the thing i'll buy this is, that's what i'll buy from the bears that th- this is more than a five game process, a much longer process and we've seen that in the past where it takes a while to kick in, even with Fangio his defense didn't kick in the first year either.
3: And, and we've seen this defense before. We know how it should look. We know when it looks good. We know what, got, what players should do in particular positions. So, so the idea of rush four, drop seven, is standard. That's ideal. We don't like to blitz, they say. That was it. And yet, you're facing a quarterback, should they decide not to give Dalvin Cook the ball every play, you're facing a quarterback who will give the football back to you with pressure and whether it's Robert Quinn hasn't looked like Robert Quinn this year, he's not getting those numbers, but maybe you've got a linebacker, maybe Roquan Smith has himself a game against a good team, or maybe Kyler Gordon said he can't cover anybody, might as well try a corner blitz and do that. Would you expect a change of personality in this defense? Would you expect to see more blitzing knowing who that quarterback is and what he will do under pressure?
2: Uh, yeah, I would think I would think so to a- to a certain extent. I- they're still gonna they still want to try and get pressure with four, and you can you can put pressure on, on Kirk Cousins with-, with with their offensive line. You can put pressure on Kirk Cousins a- a- to the point where he makes those mistakes. So I think they I think they can still um, I-, I think they can they can still go by their general game plan, but I think they'll be more open. Uh, to uh, to uh, trying to throw something at him that he hasn't seen or isn't expecting to see. To see, And I think a lot of the sack issues are because teams are just able to run the ball. I think that, that I'm not sold on that as a, as a real big problem at this point because they've been so bad against the run that it's, it's misleading. Um, just like the pa- their pass defense numbers are good, but those that's misleading too because teams are just running all over them. We're just not used to that in Chicago. That's one thing we can really, the Bears have been able to hang their hat on over the years, is having a good run defense. So to have it this poor, is uh, it's almost like uh, an offense, you know, not knowing to be quiet when the, when the offense uh, has the ball because we're not used to it. It's the same thing as on defense. This is kind of new territory, this bad run defense because you really don't see it uh, with the Bears. So I'll be honest, I've got to plead a little bit of ignorance. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to attack it. The only thing I'll say is I just think they're going to be better uh, as a, uh, with, their, with their run defense. But to answer your question, I think they're going to do everything they can to put pressure on Kirk Cousins because I think they know that um Kirk Cousins being uh you know the bad Kirk uh, I guess you'd say uh, is one of the is a huge key to pulling it upset. I I, I don't think they I, it'd be hard to believe that in their current state they could do it without that happening.
3: Before I let you go before you're forced to go mow the lawn mark I will get I'm I'm going to venture into the cultural zeitgeist since we were talking about someone of your age and my age and Saturday morning cartoons. Also, of our age would be Monty Python, right? Monty Python's Flying Circus. You a fan of Python? Are you a Python fan?
2: No, never was a real big uh, fan of uh, Monty Python. I Got a little, a little bit into Benny Hill, I, I guess, that uh, era, or whatever. Uh, as far as that kind you, of comedy, but uh, no, can't say I was. Sorry to disappoint you. Uh, you I'm a really you, standard. I'm a standard Three Stooges, Marx Brothers guy. As a, for for those of us who grew up in the sixties and seventies.
3: I'm with you on the Marx Brothers. I'm, I'm wish on the Three Stooges, but but Benny Hill over, or the Python over Python. I, Mark, I'm, you've disappointed me, Fredo. You're, yeah, you're I'm not. not I, I don't you're know not a to, brother yeah. to me I'm guilty as charged, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then this interview is over. I'm going to get on with my Monty Python celebration without you. Thanks, Potsy.
2: I was into a fish called Wanda. Isn't it a Monty Python? It had John Monty Cleese. Python players.
3: It had John. Yeah, John Cleese was. That was a good movie. That. that was
2: a good movie. So Life of Brian. Uh, so it's, I, it's I I like it I just didn't I didn't embrace it like I did, um, you know. The, like I said, the Stooges or the Marx Brothers, the Smothers Brothers, things like that. Okay, all right. Well,
3: <clears throat> we'll have to try to find a way to overlook that. I don't know, but there's a chasm in your cultural zeitgeist. Just let. You know. Oh, and
2: like I said, I I am totally guilty of charge on that. I, I yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I've never I never saw Seinfeld when it was first on. So that, you know, I'm an oddball Ooh. right there. So my, I, I'm not, I don't claim to be any kind of barometer of a comedy uh, of a judge of comedy.
3: All right. Go mow the lawn, Mark.
2: Thanks, Steve.
3: All right. Thanks for your time. Mark Potash, Chicago Sun-Times talking bears talking. Yes. We're going to have a discussion about Monty Python. It's a, a notable, a notable time in Python history. And there's a backstory to figuring out how we're gonna play, how we decided to play, me and Caesar, what we could play on the air and how you could choose Benny Hill over Monty Python. I think we need a comedy re-education camp for Mark Potash. But nonetheless, we'll take a break here on Saturday, Suckage, and we'll come back with one of the all-time great sketches, one of the all-time great comedy groups, Monty Python and the Flying Circus. Our cultural zeitgeist will be filled in. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
1: Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station.
3: Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday Suckage, right here for you till 2 o'clock. Bears All Access will be next. Cole Komet will join them on the show. Bears play... Minnesota, the evil, dreaded, depraved, love-bunch Vikings on Sunday up there. We will have the pregame show on the score. Molly, Patrick Manley, Anthony Heron, Mark Grody will contribute as well. It's presented by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Bears Mondays this season. They're presented by Horizon Therapeutics. Saturday suckage you're broadcasting live from the Hyundai score studios brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. The tech zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of and Save time shop online at rosenhyundai.com. So I was sad to hear Mark potash has been has banished himself from the kingdom and needs to go to comedy reeducation camp, choosing Benny Hill over Monty Python, Monty Python flying circus this week in 1969 monty python flying circus that group made its debut on the bbc it goes back that far and they would you know concert shows like i mean live shows the hollywood bowl is famous there was then there was the pay michael palin's mortgage week at the odeon and and in England and the, there are six, there is a six part series, uh, documentary on the Python, how they became Monty Python, all these guys talking about all these guys. Three of them came from Oxford, three of them came from Cambridge. These are smart, brilliant guys who reveled in the absurdity of it all. So I wanted to contribute in our cultural zeitgeist portion of the show by marking the anniversary of Monty Python's debut and what a history it has. So what to do, what to do, what to bring you, what to bring to the Saturday Suckage Clown? what the Waken Bake Club, what could I do for you? How, what would, what would be so Python? And one of the things I always like to use when I was writing columns and we were doing it online and you could embed video was the black Knight from the Holy Grail the black Knight it's just a flesh wound just a foot but then in looking at it that was the thing you were looking at it that's the that's the best part of it and that one of the most famous sketches was the dead parrot Right. That was from the the show. Monty Python was known, the dead parrot, where John Cleese walks in. I have the parrot is dead, but a little while ago, no, just rusting. But again, in watching the sketch, in watching the YouTube sketch of it, you have to watch. It's part of the deal because seeing this parrot, seeing this parrot (laughs) lying there not resting but he's dead and having them arguing about it is great well now what well there is one song I particularly love that is very Python and you can't even say the name of it on the radio I'm not here to jeopardize the station's license don't need the FCC asking questions about that particular song I won't even say the name of it. And I ran, I asked a lot of people, what would be very Python? And we kind of narrowed it down. One I hadn't heard before, and I, need, I must look up, the argument clinic. Where it's, where—is it an argument or is it just a passive aggressive stance? Or they're, they're parsing arguments. I'm sure it was brilliant. I have not, I do not recall that. And then they they trying to think of things from, and now for something completely different, which isn't as famous as their films, like the, the Life of Brian and The Search for the Holy Grail. And, but it's a bunch of short things where they learn like how to defend themselves against someone attacking them with a passion fruit. And <laughs> again, you had to see that. So it came down to two things in the end. The lumberjack song. Are you people singing that in your head? I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. And you needed to read the lyrics after seeing the song and it's a wonderful performance, but the song would have carried itself. And I thought, you know, this might not be the safest thing I could play on radio. It might be tame now compared to when it was made. The lumberjack song is always, it was a massive hit when they did it live and they certainly performed it well and it sticks in your head. And then I thought about, well, end of life of Brian, always look at the bright side of life as they're gonna be hanging there and dying. Now a 708 texture. bless you for this, the School of Silly Walks, the Minister of Silly Walks, John Cleese, and my friend Megan Lee Leopold presented me with a clock that is John Cleese as the Minister of Silly Walks and the hands are in the shape of silly walks. And if you have been around Jason Bonetti, the gifted White Sox announcer for any length of time. And you've heard him talk about multiple sclerosis, the way he handles it. And he has referred to being the minister of silly walks. But again, like most Python, the genius of Monty Python, you need to see it. And I recommend you see it. So then another song came up. And I'm not even sure I want to say, I'm not even sure I want to say the name of the song because I really fear what might happen to the radio station. So I came up, me and Cesar hit on a sketch. Cesar Perez is going to play it for you. It is the one thing that is, that I think would resound with Python and sort of lapsed Python fans. Python fans will get it immediately and will see it in their head. And, Lapsed Python fans will be brought back into the fold. They'll be part of the flock. They'll come under the tent. And if you haven't heard it, you can imagine it because one of the parts of British humor is men dressing as women and talking like women. And that's just part of the gig that they find humorous, the absurdity of it. But this was the scene, this, this was the sketch I thought that we could play to honor their debut, Caesar.
1: Morning, <laughs> morning. What you got then? Wow, well, there's <laughs> egg and bacon, uh, egg sausage and bacon, egg and spam, egg bacon and spam, <laughs> egg bacon sausage and spam. Spam, bacon, sausage and Spam! Spam, egg, Spam, Spam, bacon and span. Spam! Spam, 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 egg and span. Spam! Spam, 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 Spam! spam. Baked beans, Spam, Spam, Spam and Spam! Oh, lobster, thermodoro, crevettes with a mornay sauce, garnished with truffle paté, brandy and a pie get up top and Spam! And <laughs> you got anything without Spam in it? There's not got much Spam in it. I don't want any Spam. Why can't you have egg, bacon, Spam and sausage? That's got Spam in it. Not as much as Spam egg, sausage and Spam. Look, Could I have egg, bacon, Spam and sausage without the Spam? What do you mean? I don't like Spams! Spam, 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 Spam! Sausage without the spam! Why not? No! It would be like baking spam and sausage with it! I don't like spam! Don't make a fuss, dear. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, 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 spam! Spam spam, bake beans, spam, spam, and spam! Baked beans off! We can have spam instead. You mean spam, 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 spam! Yes!
3: Spam, spam, spam. Sausage spam. So I'm sorry for what I did to the 815 texture. That word made me stop getting texts as in unsubscribing. I want to receive texts. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. But the spam sketch was the one I thought I could play. 630 texture. Damn, you're getting a lot of these Monty Python stuff, those Monty Python stuff wrong. And now for something completely different is a mesh of stuff from the TV show, which is called Monty Python's Flying Circus. Well, I said it was a series of sketches. It was shorts. The argument sketch is how to buy an argument. Yeah, I called it the argument clinic where you go in and you get what you want. Okay. Next, you'll probably talk about the Ministry of Silly Walks, hopefully. Well, I did that. So thanks for listening. We appreciate that. It's Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. That's the way it goes. But. the the A15 texture, I received a Python album as a WTTW subscriber gift. I had offered it to a girlfriend to review and she gave me, I think, a Woody Allen book, never got it back. Um, I had a cousin who contributed to a PBS station only, directing her money only to paying for whatever rights needed to be paid so that monty python could be aired could continue to be aired that's where she wanted her money to go yeah wink wink nudge nudge know what i mean know what i mean 815 texture and the 815 for all the waking and baking you do out there and you are are a huge part of our audience i love you for that to to know wink wink nudge nudge to remember that that's an excellent call that's monty python This week in 1969, that group debuted. I I strongly recommend the six part documentary that they produce Monty Python on Monty Python. They, They they're there, they're being interviewed and it's a wonderful reliving of the history and in it, when they did reunion tours and they would do the dead parrot sketch. And it was, I think, on the last series of concerts, series of shows they did, the last live series, that John Cleese was upset that they weren't getting it right. They weren't hitting the numbers, the the, the lines, the cues. They weren't getting it right. And he was told backstage by a comedian he respected, dude, calm down. We already know the sketch. We already know the lines. We think it's great that you're breaking and you can't get it right. There's the comedy now. And then he relaxed and it became such a wonderful way to watch as they replayed the sketch or part of it anyways, that we all know how, and we do, we all know how it goes. You pay to watch this again. That's what those shows are all about. Okay. So that's it. That's our culture. Venture into the cultural zeitgeist. We'll come back. Baseball playoffs are being played not without local teams. Apparently, it's some kind of rule. I will have some stuff I came across and uh, I'll share it with you before we get out of here at 2 o'clock and turn it over to Bears All Access. Saturday Suckage. I suck so you don't have to. Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
1: Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station.
3: Indeed, it is. I will be here till 2 o'clock. Bears All Access will follow me on this here radio station, 2 o'clock. Cole Komet will be the guest. Uh, Bears Bears Mondays, you should know. Bears Mondays this season are presented by Horizon Therapeutics. The first Bears Sunday before the Vikings game, the Bears-Vikings game up in Minnesota. The pregame show on the score with Mully, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron is presented by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook, Mark Brody who is a guest in the first hour, will make an appearance, several appearances. He'll be on every pregame show ever. I've got some playoff stuff to share with you that I found amusing this week, stuff that happened. But first, Jay Kuda, who's a wonderful follow, if you're a baseball guy, and he uncovers stuff. And we tried to get him this week, and he wasn't available, but he's still tweeting stuff out. Maybe we'll get him next week. Caesar, think we could do that? You tell Trash Panda. We didn't have Trash Panda this week either. I think was next no week will be good. Zins- I
1: think uh, from what he said, he was taking a trip this week.
3: Okay, but we had no Studzinski in meatballs. Studs and meatballs. Studzinski Denver
1: week, uh, maybe not in the right state of mind right now.
3: That would be perfect. That would be put him in the eight one five. That would make him. A, he'd, he'd be a perfect Studzinski and meatballs and wake and bake club. It's excellent. But okay. <clears throat> Anyways, Jake had tweeted out, "In case you were wondering about coaching changes on the White Sox." He listed the last three teams to hit over 1,000 singles in a season. They are the 2022 White Sox. They are the 2017 Marlins and the 2016 Marlins. The hitting coach for all three teams was Frank Manichino. And neither team, none of those teams finished over 500.
1: Spam, 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 sausage and Spam. <clears throat> Okay, Brian
3: Anderson. Brian Anderson. um, He works for the Brewers during the regular season, works for TNT during the playoffs. He tweeted this out, which is just spectacular. Breaking news. Now that Joe Buck is no longer in charge, we national MLB play-by-play announcers have agreed to not hate your team this postseason. All except Boog He's still on the fence. I love that. You've been watching this, and the Rays and Guardians, Rays and Guardians. No one scored yet. They're in game two. Could be all over for the Rays. Guardians. You know what they? They play defense. Them Guardians. That's that's an an amazing thing. They play defense, and I bring that up because <clears throat> the White Sox don't. And and listening to. Did you listen? Do you remember this quote from Miguel or from Johnny Cueto talking about the Guardians who ran their White Sox over at the end of the season? They run and they hustle, they play hard and they put the ball in play. Well, there you go. You got the White Sox hitting a lot of singles. You got Jose Ramirez being all everything. So, anyways, they are playing today. The Rays are on this trek and they could be playing nine straight road games leading. Leading up to the wild card series, and they were, and then the wild card series in Cleveland this weekend. Guardians manager Terry Francona said, "Nobody wants to be out of underwear. You know, that's that's something to laminate for your wallet. Nobody wants to be out of underwear. It's all about preparation. I think that's what that should be the case." So the Mets had home field advantage because they finished with a better record than the Padres, than Manny Machado's Padres. <clears throat> and Max Scherzer was on the mound, and he gave up four home runs, which he had never done—never done in 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 the playoff He gave up four home runs. He gave up seven earned runs in—I think it was four and a third, four and two thirds. He was not Max Scherzer. And now Jacob Degrom is pitching a must-win game. So, for what it's worth, I don't know if the Padres got wind of it. I don't know if it makes news. But we used to call it bulletin board. Now we call it whiteboard or grease board. In the Mets dressing room, the whiteboard had their dates with San Diego this weekend. It also posted the schedule for a prospective five-game series with the Dodgers after that. Maybe, Maybe you weren't focused. And I think San Diego just hit another home run. Maybe you'll find this amusing. Maybe you won't. Chicago baseball fans, again, from Jay Cuda. He had noted, this is what you're watching in, in the playoffs. Not everybody's in the playoffs, these, these teams, but the longest World Series drought in years, the Guardians, who in a previous life for the team that the Cubs defeated in a battle of the two longest droughts in 2016, the Guardians stand at 74 years. Then come the Rangers, It's 61 Padres at 53 Brewers at 53 Mariners at 45, but they come with asterisks because they've never won a world series. They began as expansion teams. So in their entire lives, they've never done it. Pirates at 43 years, Orioles, 39 Tigers at 38 Mets at 36. And they're the ones looking at that Dodger series. Okay. The guardians at 74 years now by Chicago standards. Doesn't that seem quaint? Doesn't that seem just like a, maybe it's a little speed bump. 74 years without a World Series, and it just doesn't register here. Sarah Langs, Slangs, she's MLB.com, and we are rooting for you, Sarah. She tweeted out, and it was only after one day, but there were four games, and they were all over the place, those games. Teams to out-homer opponents are 2-1, and and... 62.5% of the runs have been scored via a home run. So it appears the White Sox have been eliminated from next year's playoffs as well. Stop me if you heard this before. I was in Katana, pitches, shutout, ball. Five and a third. You know, I gave up a couple hits. He walked a guy, struck out three, took a lead into the sixth, gave his team a chance to win, and a bullpen soils the bed like no other bullpen. In the history of baseball, that's a true fact. So Sox fans, you're familiar with that, aren't you? And finally, finally, Cub fans, the Eloy and Cease trade for Quintana paid off because the bullpen soiling soiling the bed belonged to the Cardinals. A choke like none other. Jason Stark of the National detailed it, of the Athletic which is the national online, But the, the Jason Stark detailed it, especially when some Cardinal fans were leaving. The best fans in baseball were leaving when the Cardinals were up. They had one out in the ninth, and they're up two to nothing, and they're going to get bring in the bullpen, and then the Phillies go single, walk, walk, bases loaded, hit by pitch, two-run single on a pitch that was closer to the arch than the strike zone. Jason Stark won. Gene Segura had that. And then there's another RBI single, sacrifice fly. And all of a sudden, Kyle Schwarber's Phillies have a 6-2 lead over the Cardinals. Jason Stark notes this was the 1,706th baseball game in postseason history. And that we just saw a team do something that no other team had ever done in any of those games. There had never been an inning like that. There had been a, never been a comeback like it. All researched, all true. It was beautiful. It was. Well, see, that had to be pretty close. That had to be the Cubs game of the season, right? Isn't that it? Is that what you love to see? I, I have it as baseball a baseball piling out. That was one of the yeah. most
1: gratifying things of the year. It definitely was.
3: Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> That's just... And how'd you feel when you saw Schwab being part of the Phillies team that was executing that?
1: Just made it that much better. I mean, what you're saying is correct. You know, as a cup fan, we would not find much joy this year that that was one of the most gratifying things I've seen all baseball season was to see the Cardinals collapse like that.
3: And that bullpen just went, it, it looked so much like a White Sox bullpen. Now, here's the thing, is that... <clears throat> stark cites Katie Sharp, a baseball reference, the, the odds of that happening, the odds of that kind of comeback, the odds of trailing entering the ninth by multiple runs and having that big of an inning. The closest you could get most recently was game four of the NLDS in 2016. Does that sound, sound familiar, Cup fans? The Cubs were In the the ninth, they were down by three, five to two, facing the prospect of flying back to Wrigley to face Johnny Cueto. And the Cubs got four. The Cubs got four, and the next White Sox manager, Bruce Bochy, couldn't find a reliever to get it out. So that was the last time you saw anything that big, that dramatic in a ninth inning and that kind of lead. There you go. There you go, Cup fans. There's your baseball game of 2022. The Cardinals meltdown at home, and the best fans in baseball were leaving even before that. All right, I want to thank everybody for joining me on Saturday. suckage. Mark Grody, Mark Potash, and um, who else? Who am I? Oh, Paul Sullivan, the, the happy curmudgeon from the Chicago Tribune. I want to thank everyone who listened, Cesar Perez, and all you Money Python fans. Thank you for joining me and correcting me. And the Wake and Bay Club, we'll see what we can do about it. Bears All Access is next. Chicago Sports Radio, The Score.
2: It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do.